Hello. Welcome to episode 27 of the Dead Idea of a Hollow podcast with your host Gary Butterfield, who incidentally knows that Bernie Mac is dead. And do you think this makes him less scary to me? Or more scary to me? You know, I'm not scared of just fat, angry black actors. I am scared of animate, shambling blubber liches that are made out of 90% eyeball. And that eyeball is made of 90% blood. That's scary to me. Editor's note, true believers. Bernie Mac was first mentioned in episode 19. Bernie Mac's all-seeing eye. Goof-checking Gary. You know, and, and another thing, I realized that uh, during episode 24, I mentioned that, you know, I called it 23 when I was uh, introducing it. Editor's note, true believers, this in fact happened. Get yourself a dead idea of a holla no prize just for explaining it away. And, you know, in the second Talk About Music episode, I played a make-out party song that I said was from the EP, and really it was from the album, and anybody, if anybody should know that, it should be me, because I fucking wrote it. You know, in the world of make-out party fans, I'm like 75% of them, and... Uh... Editor's note, true believers. This was during Talk About Music Episode 2, ad just a couple weeks ago. Granny Guzzlin' Gary. And, you know, during one of the early episodes, I uh, I talked about, you know, I had this little sketch about the alternate ending to Brokeback Mountain, and I got confused as to which cowboy was who. So I called Enos, the one who had died, who was played by Joker Ledgerman, and I called the other one, Jack or Jake, who was played by Gigan Jindahal. Added his note. See episode four. Gay Little Milano Cookie. Gawker Goblin Gary editor. So, I mean, really, I'm not, I'm not perfect. But I'm kind of close, because if I wasn't, I wouldn't have received this Golden Bindle Award for all of the, you know, my sensitive attitude towards the homeless. Editor's note. Golden Bindle Award does not exist. Galactic Gastrating Gary. You know, I, I, you know, I made that comment about how homeless people are essentially constantly playing a JRPG and walking around checking garbage cans for potions and getting into random battles. Where's my credit? I, I'm just a human being. You know, just another, just a, just, just, just a human being who sees spurious connections between things like this. Third episode of the, the sex and farting trilogy that I'm doing on accident. And, you know, maybe I went on the record as saying that they were similar because every time you ejaculate, you're just farting sprum out into the world. It's not that dissimilar. You know, they have more in common than Gallagher. <sighs> anyway, with that out of the way, yeesh. Yeah, sex culture in Portland. You know, there's the Roller Girls, unimaginably hot. There is a wealth of strip clubs and strip booths and strip shanties and strip houses. Outhouses. Tenement hot. Anyway, um, there are all these different kinds of little strip villas. We used to live in a really unpopular, kind of shitty part of town. Super uh, out of the way, really long bus ride. 
Um, took forever to get anywhere. TriMet likes to play these little jokes. Um, on every bus stop, they have this little hilarious one-liner that says lines run 15 minutes or better during the day. That is a, that's irony. Um, that's a very subtle joke. So out there in the boonies, there were still the same number of strip clubs. There are strip clubs everywhere here in Portland. It has something to do with our freedom of speech laws and like a boners per capita census thing that we are tied to. Tons of strip clubs. But Portland is also a city where it's integrated into nature really heavily. So every square inch of space that would ordinarily be full of nothing or sidewalk or parking lot in another city is instead trees and foliage and hobos and unemployment. And on Southwest, this integration was a lot more direct, like rolling hills and little forested areas. And the sex shops were like that too. So if you go Southwest, I lived off Barber Boulevard. If you ever go there, you'll notice all these tiny little like sex shops that are like built in the side of mountains or like just little tiny shacks in gatherings of trees. It's really strange. And I always wanted to go to one because they're so small. Like it, it's smaller than this room. It's the kind of thing where if like you're standing there and you're staying next to the stripper and you know, you couldn't get an arm's length away from her if she had her arm out. And then somebody's got to be running it. You don't leave strippers alone. They're like newborn babies or drug addict uncles. Like you don't just leave them in a room by themselves. You always have to have, there's going to be like a fat balding guy in sweatpants saying they're watching or like a bored teenager or something. Now just imagine you're sitting there and the girl's shaking it or taking off her, her onesie or putting on a zero Z. And there's just this old man just standing so close to you that you could feel the fucking flaming hot Cheeto wind tunnel that comes out of his breath face and just... Him. Him language, you see? We got plenty of girls. Girls. That sounded a little bit like Macy Gray's sister, uh, Racy Gray, uh, who will probably be introduced in, in some future future episode. All these weird, just little like sex copses and sex shops, and they're everywhere. And you're downtown, and there's just strippers stripping it up, and windows, and just blowjob bonanzas. And every time you bite into a piece of cake, it's full of mint peptide pussy. And that's that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. Um, one of the things that's nice about having this many strippers is that sometimes they have hearts of gold, and uh, you can harvest those. Um, I've heard that if you harvest ten of them. Then Lochnar in the village will allow you access to his forbidden shack of wares. But I'm not I'm not that interested in, in strippers. Like I'm super sex positive, as I said before. I have no problem with prostitution. I haven't seen prostitutes here, which is weird, but I'm sure they're everywhere. But the weird thing to me about strippers is how mechanical the interaction is with them. Like when I went to a strip club, you gave a dollar to the stripper, she put it into a G-string, and then rubbed her boobs in your face. Just kind of like, uh, you know, like the audio equivalent of like, you know, just shaking, shaking it right there. But it was like a vending machine. Like you just dollar, and it just kept going, you know, until you get bored. Or go rub one out in the bathroom, I guess, which I didn't do. So, you know, not super into strip clubs, but they are everywhere. There's one down the street from my new house, 
Um, the strip clubs in this neighborhood are just regular strip clubs where it's all, you know, eight ninety five ribeye auditions daily. Uh, but there's one down the street called the DV8 Lounge uh, with a D and then a V and then an 8. They sometimes advertise a $1 dinner buffet. Don't you want to know what's in a $1 dinner buffet? I don't necessarily want to eat at a dollar dinner buffet, but I would pay a dollar to check it out. Like, is there any way that's not Wonder Bread and Kato Salami? You know, and just some sad old man with a jar of fucking Safeway, you know, mustard, measuring out the amount that they can put on each sandwich and still make a profit. And it's just like, I can only imagine it being like a prison feeding thing, like a fucking KGB, you know, prisoner $1 dinner buffet at a strip club. Um, I've only been to a strip club once. I, uh, you know, I went on tour with my band, the Metroids. I've played tons of Metroid songs on here. I've talked about them in the music cast and we played a show in Indiana and the guy who played bass in my band and guitar, uh, Nat Condanus Grow. I love him like crazy. He's one of my favorite people of all time, but God bless him. For some reason we got into town early and he had some weird embarrassment or didn't want to impose on the people we knew in town and would not call them so we could sleep in beds and take showers and entertain ourselves for like the 16 hours before the show. So actually that's unrelated, I guess. Um, we slept in a car and then the next day we went and saw them. And the next day is when we went to the strip club. It's important that it's daytime for the story. So it was Night Move Strip Club in Bloomington, Indiana. And uh, we went at like 1 p.m. killing time before the show. And Andy Harold, who was the drummer in that band, and, and again, one of my absolute favorite people. Like, I fucking love that guy. Um, Andy, when I tell the stories about, like, the guy, my boss at Fred Meyer, who told me to, to go home and shave and everything, there's, like, a little Andy on my shoulder that tells me to punch him in the fucking gut or to walk out and quit or, do you know, there's, whenever I, I end up pussing out, there's an Andy on my shoulder telling, you know, making fun of me, and it's great. Like, I, you know, super miss that in my life. Um, and that's not, I'm not being, you know, ironic or anything. It's actually true. Uh, so Andy owed another guy we were traveling with named Dan Grimes a lap dance for recording an album. Dan Grimes, again, I love Dan Grimes. He's very tall and thin. He has incredibly piercing eyes that look like you're looking into the depths of time itself. Like, looking into his eyes teleports you through all of the great moments in history i mean you see it all you see the assassination of lincoln you see the cancellation of star trek you see forrest gump get best picture and you get all of all of the history of uh of the world looking into his eyes he's also one of the weirdest people i've ever met like he has a super deep voice and says everything in this monotone um real strange guy and uh we go to the strip club and uh we get there and the guy's like uh Oh, okay, okay, we're, we're going to get some girls for you. We're going to get some girls for you. Don't you worry. Uh, uh, here's some free passes. Come back another day. We're going to get some real pretty girls for you. And they gave me a free pass. I still have my free pass to night moves. And uh, so we go and sit down, and the paint on the walls is exactly like arcades I spent time in when I was young before uh, my dad decided to, to ditch this uh, ditch this naughty and go find himself a hottie <laughs> of an of a offspring. He, uh, I used to go to this arcade all the time in Aurora, Illinois called Gala West. And, uh, it had the same thing. It was kind of like paint things. It's like a neon Jackson Pollock just splattering random colors of paint all over black carpeting on the walls. And there are a couple old guys in there, like, eating or drinking. And, uh, we're just kind of sitting there just hanging out. And eventually two girls come out. And they're, you know, 
no real great shakes like they're okay looking girls and at this strip club though they don't play house music or maybe not just during the day but they didn't play house music so all the strippers just dance to whatever we put on the jukebox so us being assholes uh just put all of the least danceable things we could like it was lots of you know tom petty and not like american girl but tom petty like don't come around here no more and then like enter sandman and elvis costello and just like anything that it would be a challenge to take off your clothes to to make money for drugs that's a, that's not that's mean i don't actually think that all strippers are drug addicts i think that some of them just have boyfriends who are so we're playing dickhead music and just kind of laughing and then we go up and sit by the stage and put dollars in and you know dollar dollar and you know i'll admit i was super nervous about uh about doing it at first eventually andy's like you know dan we gotta give you a lap dance and dan's like no no i don't want to do it and uh but andy pays the girl and uh you know it's very mechanical again um so he gets the the it's 20 bucks and dan gets the equivalent of 20 boobings in his face we're all sitting there watching and i wish you guys could see me right now because dan's sitting there and he's got this blank slack expression on his face and the girl is taking her ass and boobs and you know how like if you're sitting there and your cat wants your attention it rubs its face like past you like onto you i always call it claiming because i always thought that that's where they have scent glands there and they're they're marking with their scent i always thought that was really cute that cats claim you um but the stripper was doing that <laughs> with her with her ass scent glands and boob scent glands and just pushing them past Dan's face, and his face doesn't move. Like, he doesn't look at her. He looks like a wax sculpture. And uh, just kind of lets it move him and then bounces back into the place. We're watching, and it's real funny, but eventually we get bored. Stop watching. I go to the bathroom and pee. I don't pee sprum into the bathroom from whacking it or anything. I'm just literally peeing. Uh, so I come out, and Dan's going in on the way in. And I'm like, Dan, you know, how how is that? And he says, and this is a quote, it's one of my favorite things that's ever happened to me in life. He says, uh, Well, you know, I think that she was getting kind of frustrated because I wouldn't get it up. But I just figured I'd be the weird guy who can't get a boner. And I, God, I, I love that. I would just, I just figured I would be the weird guy. You know, the weird guy that can't get a boner. I figured I'd be him. But that, that's pretty much all I have to say about, uh, about strip clubs. Um, in favor, I don't have that much interest. I want Andy to visit Portland so we can go to the Deviate Lounge eat bologna sandwiches, and reminisce about better times. Dice at 
So I'm back for part two of our three-part series of the Butterfield Family Dinobite. The Dinobite is where I deconstruct a racist, sexist, homophobic, terrible, in some way joke and kind of find out what is wrong with it uh, factually. So of course I have uh, my friend and guest Gallagher here. Um, he's been staying in my guest room. Uh, Gallagher, say hi to the audience. What? Did I hear a sparrow fart? God. Gallagher 3. <clears throat> Would you like to address the audience before you read uh, today's terrible joke and I take it apart? Well, thank you for calling me by my, my proper name, Gary. How would you like it if I called you Gary instead of Gary 3? Anyway, today's joke is about what I like to call black people. The joke goes like this. Why can't Ray Charles drive? Because there's no steering wheel on the back of the bus. Who boy. Alright. Um, why can't Ray Charles drive? No steering wheel on the back of the bus. So this is obviously referencing uh, civil rights hero Rosa Parks. Uh, and just generally, you know, when in kind of darker times when black people had to sit in the back of the bus. Now... This joke, I'll give it a tiny bit of credit for kind of zigging where you, you think it's going to zag. I mean, zigging and zagging implies some kind of crafty bee-like agility. And this is more like a joke that shits in your face when you think it's going to puke in your face. You know, because you think it's going to be he can't drive because the, he's blind. He's a blind man. Um, blind African-American man. He also lived in, at least partially in modern times. Um, he probably did live during a, a portion of time where this was true. That's never really specified. I'm going to give it a pass on the fact that it's not exactly timeless. But the biggest thing, you know, you think it's going to be because he's blind. He is blind. Blind people don't drive. The biggest thing, though, is that he, uh, you, nobody steers a bus other than the bus driver. Um, I mean, I think in the future, maybe we'll have, like, Johnny Cab kind of things. The buses just go on, like, intelligent rail systems or controlled by 
alien AIs or something like that. But for now, there's just a regular bus driver. Let's even, we'll give this guy the benefit of the doubt though, Mr. Uh, joke Author from, you know, racistjokes.biz or wherever the fuck I, I, uh, I found this, or wherever Gallagher 3 found this, I mean, and say, you know, maybe uh, there are buses that have steering wheels in the back and Ray Charles has to sit there and he can see. It's granting him, that's a lot of reality being messed with, but let's, let's grant him that. If we do, who could steer from the back of the bus anyway? I mean, you know, all you can really see is the bus seat in front of you and kind of down the hall there. Um, you can't see your blind spot. You can't see the blind, all you, you can't see the blind spot. All you can see is the blind side. If you've rented it on iTunes and put it onto your iPod for a limited day rental to see Sandra Bullock and a large guy who at one time would have sat in the back of the bus um, footballing and having parties and dinner parties and learning lessons. So you get the blind side, you don't get the blind spots. You also don't get the, the sighted spots, whatever you call the areas in your car you can see. You don't get any of that. Um, you can just see out the window directly to your left or right, depending on what side of the bus you're on. It'd be difficult to steer from. Moreover, the man is blind. There's, uh, there's nothing that we can do about that. I mean, the first blind man to uh, have his vision cured was black, um, you know, Geordie LaForge. But that's way, way, way off in, in the future, the future of Star Treks. So obviously to me, it seems like it's pretty clear what's wrong with this joke. It's just kind of a dumb, you know, someone thought of the zig instead of the zag. It reminds me of the why can't Helen Keller drive uh, because she's a woman. We're, it's a miracle of sheer stubborn humanity that Helen Keller is able to ooze out of bed every morning. <laughs> um, uh, so... What Gallagher 3, you're a racist homophobe. What did you think about this joke? Well, I wish they had said more bad things about black people. I, I mean, I understand that. It's not, you know, it's just kind of dumb. You know, I guess it kind of harkens back to a, if it was like, why shouldn't Ray Charles be able to, to drive a bus? You know, then maybe it would kind of put us in, you know, maybe that's the way things should be mode. You know, it's kind of, kind of weird, though, is that like, oftentimes now, bus drivers are black. I don't know, not all of them, you know, I'm not making that kind of uh, sweeping generalization, but, you know, they are at the front of the bus, like, oftentimes. Anyway, so I brought back a, a feature real quick from the old Dinobytes for this new improved Dinobyte, which is the, the voices of the internet, um, where I ask, you know, I'm going to say what's wrong with the joke, but I'm also going to ask the internet. And my favorite way to ask the internet question is Yahoo Answers. Um, Yahoo Answers on pad podcasts, on podcasts is not that original, but uh, I do like it, and I was doing it a few years ago. Um, so I asked the internet, uh, what's wrong with the joke? Why can't Ray Charles drive? There's no steering wheel in the back of the bus. The best answer by Firechap, chosen by uh, voters, goes like this. Racist. Now, if the punchline were, there were no traffic signs in Braille, Stevie may laugh at it. Um, Stevie Wonder, I'm guessing what that is. Yeah, blind joke, but he's above this stuff. And comedians have probably used it before the first punchline. I'd pass on. I don't really know what that second sentence means. I think he's probably thinks I'm auditioning this joke. Like I'm going to go in front of real human beings and tell this joke like I made it up because I'm fucking awful. It's the internet, so there's no reason for him not to think I'm fucking awful. My favorite answer that was given is by is was not voted number one. It's by Tudor underscore 22. Um, he says, Ray Charles has no hands and feet. That's why. By the way, don't you know he's a blind man too? Okay, pretty good. 
And then there's an edit that he added that makes fun of me. He says, uh, Speedamax. And that's my, my Yahoo account, my first email address that I like to use for these things. Because I don't care what happens to it. Speedamax goes to London, gets the double-decker bus on, and says to the bus driver, Need to be in the smoke area. Where is it? The bus driver gently says, On the second story. Story spelled with an extra E. Speedamax goes up and gets back quickly to the bus driver and says, Are you mad? There are no bus driver up there. Maybe Ray Charles doesn't wonder care. So, you know, I, I like that. He's, he's just kind of free associating. Rad Brogo says that uh, Ray Charles would never use public transportation. Besides that, nothing is wrong with the joke. So really, that's a whole other factor I didn't think about. He's a wealthy man. But he wasn't always wealthy, Rad Brogo. So uh, the Moog says that it's referring... He thinks that it's referring to the time the blacks had to sit in the back of public transport. It's racist. Okay. And uh, Claire Backer says, no logic and it is not funny. And L says, it's racist, you bully. So the internet, um, you know, a couple people who are not respected by their peers called me out for being racist. Um, several other ones just spouted some nonsense. That is the internet for you. Um, we're going to wrap this episode up. Gallagher 3, I understand you have the second uh, installment of the Gallagher Family Fart Countdown. That's right. It's just the Gallagher Family Fart Down, though. There's no counting about it. Now, just uh, Gallagher, before you get to that, I just want to make a, a note. I just heard my cats running around downstairs, and my wife is away pretty much for the weekend. And I was just thinking, like, if somebody just broke in and were going to shoot me in the back with a shotgun and, like, wear my skin and live my life or something, I, I hope that it doesn't happen now where the phrase in my Google bar is euphemisms for farts. Um, I would hate to have whoever finds my body have that be the last thing I Googled. Um, anyway, uh, Gallagher, from the top of your head, give me some uh, some euphemisms for fart from the Gallagher family fart down. We all right. Uh, have you ever uh, gotten into a friend's car on a way to see a movie and uh, rebuilt the ozone layer one poof at a time? Uh, I I can't can't say I have. I'm pretty sure that's not how the ozone layer works. I don't want to get into a whole like what's wrong with that thing, but fairly certain that's not how it works. But go ahead and give me uh, you know another one. Well, have you ever uh, on the way to pick out a wedding dress, uh, busted out your clonic calliope, and, uh, played a few tunes. Gallagher, what's a calliope? Tell me you know what a calliope is. What's a Gallagher? Fuck you. Gallagher 3, what's a calliope? Before you tell me that that's a fart euphemism part of the Gallagher family fart down. Well, have you, uh, have you ever, uh, gone in for a job interview and found yourself floating on an air biscuit? Um... You're not going to answer my question. Do you know what a biscuit is? What's a biscuit? Well, biscuits are things for sopping up taters. Um, give me your final part down for the week. Well, uh, have you ever um, uh, uh, attended a, a fancy dress high school wedding and uh, found that you're Anus was given birth to a marine. What does that mean? Giving birth to a marine? Well, you know, they wear brown helmets. Well, I know, but you... You're not shitting. I didn't ask you euphemisms for shit. Is it like a ghost helmet? That's right. And you'll find more far euphemisms on the next installment of 
Did the Gallagher family fart down? <laughs>